Recorded on December 16th, 2021. Episode 3, While You Were Sleeping. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela. And we're here to talk about the Texas abortion law, the January 6th committee, and the Voting Rights Act. But first, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, just gossip that we don't need to dive too deep into, but we're just kind of forced to acknowledge. Of course, DeSantis wants to keep himself in the national headlines Mm -hmm. and is posturing again over a really stupid law that has no effect whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So you know why he's doing all this, right? It's not just because he's running for president. We all know that. He he recently touted that Republicans outregister Democrats, and they do. Two reasons: the Democrats are being moved to the inactive voter rolls faster than Republicans, but also he's traveling around the country, telling people, "Hey, Florida's free Florida. We have a Stop Woke Act. You can't mask your kids in our schools. Come to Florida." So the craziest of the crazies, the farthest right of the writers, are moving to Florida in droves. Yes, um, you, that's why. Uh, that's why traffic is so much worse. That's why housing is where it is. It's they're they're just coming here. And Brevard County, of course, is crazier than most with our weird property tax cap. So that they then capitalize on that as well. So don't only come to Florida, but come to Brevard County. We're insurrectionists. Love you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Stop Woke Act, which is a bill meant entirely to both attack our schools. And also get sound bites and, and headlines. This is an act that essentially would outlaw the teaching of history in our schools. If the teachers teach history as it happened, then they could be liable. They could be and, and sued, right? Isn't this also some civil? There's just civil yeah. suit. Yeah. Yes. So everyone's deciding to to hop onto the Texas bandwagon and abuse the civil courts instead of relying on actual laws. I do want to counter this with an amazing quote from Bell Hooks. She has a she has a quote from her book, Teaching to Transgress Education as the Practice of Freedom. Quote is the classroom remains the most radical space of possibility in the academy. And really the Stop Woke Act is a direct attack on that principle of educating our students is is how you change the future. As a former history teacher, this would go straight against me and my fellow colleagues, and we can tell you right now that when I was teaching history, it's already whitewashed enough. We can't lose the little that is in even high school education right now. You know, I'm a different generation than you all, um, and I remember this. I, I remember I had a fantastic teacher in high school. Now, my high school economics class wasn't called economics. It was called, are you ready for this? Americanism versus communism. <laughs> oh, nice. Comparative economics, but it was called Americanism versus communism. And I left there just, I, I left there a capitalist, like I started there as capitalist, but I definitely left there understanding there were a lot more questions than there were answers in our economic system and how, and just knowing the truth about who we are. Um, I think that the idea of being able to sue your neighbor for teaching history, it's kind of terrifying. And these people, Randy Fine, Moms to Liberty, they keep quoting 
Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream because it's such a nice speech. Mm -hmm. It's such a sweet speech. And see where... Kumbaya. But they don't want to ever talk about letters from a Birmingham jail where he said, y'all don't like me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, they also quote him. He's like, see, we quoted the black guy. We're not racist. Yeah. Well, and... They are deliberately leaving out, hey, when this when this gets passed, if this podcast gets played in a history classroom, I could be sued for saying that people aren't remembering that Martin Luther King was so influential because it was either listen to him or deal with Malcolm X. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And people didn't want to deal with that. So, yep. you know, when you think about the parental rights issue and the, the conversation in schools with parental rights. And the, te- the parents are saying that they don't feel like their children are safe if they have to wear a mask to school. And they don't feel like their children are safe if they have to study history, I guess. I, I don't get that. But, you know, there are parents who do believe that their children are less safe and less healthy going to school with kids of a different race. Um, and those parents would say it's within their rights to make sure that that those schools don't have that that they'll have their kids integrated. And if the governor were to then say, you must re-segregate, not desegregate, but re-segregate your schools in order to protect parental rights, I would hope that our school board would say, that's a bad law. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. That would go to the Supreme Court, where I'm not sure what would happen. I'm not sure anything. I mean, you know. Right. Ron's going to make his own Supreme Court. <laughs> oh, Ron's going to make his own police force, yeah, too. Yeah, he's making so. his own militia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, someone who works... Some some unnamed source who may or may not work with um, private militias said that Ron DeSantis apparently approached a bunch of like legit companies and none of them had his back, which is why he went public with this. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I that is that is an unsubstantiated rumor that I refuse to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> a good thing nobody's listening. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. More gossip. Joe Biden is yeah. allowing loan repayment to start amid rising cases of COVID. And I know this is a particular part of frustration for so many of us. He was voted in on a platform that included wiping away student loan debt and has pushed back every time on that campaign promise. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because Democrats cede their power at every mm-hmm. turn. Um, we're so determined to do the right thing and govern by consensus. And I'm going to tell you, I, I think Joe's probably reaching the point that I've reached, which is if there's no consensus to be met, I'm just going to do what I promised to do and do right by the American people. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. I mean, I will say it does not get reported because it's going little by little, but he has slowly forgiven the debt of for-profit institutions about, you know, a hundred million at a time, something like that. So like Kaiser Institute and all mm -hmm. those. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't make news because it's not everybody. Senator Warren, just absolutely brilliant, understands economic policy like nobody else on the planet, has said it is within his power to erase 10 grand would be super easy up to 50 grand with the stroke of a pen. Biden came out in a press conference and said, hey, GOP, we're coming for you these midterms. We're not going to lose these midterms. And wiping out a whole bunch of student loan debt would be an absolutely powerful way to remind people that when you vote for Democrats, you get actual results instead of, you know, just kind of hot air and hate when you vote for the other guys. Right. When you vote Democrat, Gen Z and millennials actually can afford lives. Right. Because, I mean, your average college educated professional is coming out with. So 10 years ago, it used to be a house's worth of debt. 
Now it's about a quarter of a house's worth of debt, but still that level of debt is at an interest rate and the payments are so high that they are unable to start their lives. So they're putting everything on hold for a decade that it takes to pay off. Yeah. And people don't understand. It's not even just that it's the right thing to do. It's it's not smart economically because mm-hmm. these people aren't participating fully in our economic system. And Warren ran the numbers. We eliminate student debt completely. We see a return, what, in eight years and an economic boom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. you have all of that money to spend in the United States system. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I get the messaging, which is we're trying to ramp down, if you would, COVID and the the student loan repayment was part of COVID. Right. It's not so he really needs to address it as a whole separate thing, not a part of COVID. Now, if he's if he does that, then you know that'll be a really exciting day. But I do understand wanting to start slowing down the COVID relief because we do need to. America needs to feel like COVID is no longer running our lives. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we spoke about COVID last episode. Just as a little bit of an update, the numbers are out. Boosters absolutely do have an impact. On on the Omicron variant, I don't have. Yeah, the... we were very cautious last time because yeah. you're like you don't say things you don't know to be true. <laughs> right, right. Unlike me, you know, you know. Right, right. But and it's spreading fast in Orange County. It it is it is very fast spreading. But the absolutely amazing, miraculous thing about this vaccine that was made for almost a different virus, the original strain and the Omicron strain are wildly different because of they have so many different mutations but because the original vaccine was so complete in how it created antibodies that bound to so many different spots on the spike protein that even though more than half of those spots are different and the antibodies no longer work the same vaccine but reformulated so that the antibodies are way higher after the third dose uh, there's enough antibodies there to gum up the virus and afford protection. This is what happens when you spend st- 10 years preparing for something mm-hmm. under the Obama administration <coughs> and then <laughs> throw it all away under the Trump administration. <coughs> yes. yeah. But the research was still going on, so they were ready to go. I know there are people out there that say, we don't know what's in it. We don't know what's in it. I don't know what's in this wine either, but I'm <laughs> yeah. drinking it and, yeah. and quite happily. Yeah. Um, and people do know that these these vaccines have been studied for 10 years in preparation for a coronavirus. Yeah. I I I don't know what's in a McRib, but I still order one every so often. Oh, oh Jamie, we're done. <laughs> All right. Um so I guess we're Does anybody with... know what's in a McRib? <laughs> Barbecue sauce. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's probably less healthy than the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Very probably. Or COVID, maybe. I know that our hospitals aren't filling up. Um, I have a friend who is my canary in a coal mine when it comes to hospitals, and I she knows that she can call me, and I will immediately stop doing things that I do in public. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, our hospitals aren't really seeing anything new in Brevard County, at least. So we're continuing to have our next um, Democratic Executive Committee meeting in person in January. So oh, good. fingers crossed. Yeah, because cases are rising because Omicron is much more likely to spread. I mean, I haven't seen any anything that says that it's less potent if you are unvaccinated. But if you are vaccinated, it It seems to be less potent. Yes. Yes. And we're not filling hospitals, Mm -hmm. even in Brevard, where not everybody's vaccinated. Right. Yep. Get your vaccines, people. Uh And your boosters. Yep. Yep. So uh, moving on to kind of the main meat. Speaking of McRibs, (laughs) (laughs) moving on to the meat of our uh, our episode. And when we first were talking about this last week, we thought that this was going to be the biggest of all of the issues. Yes, Texas abortion law. 
our lovely Supreme Court that was packed by the Trump administration, decided to let the Texas abortion law stay. Yeah. Oh, joy. So, I, I mean, okay. So I said I'd be quiet, but um, <laughs> what they did was they did not pass an injunction, which means that it was able to stand while it was being argued in the lower courts. Right. So uh, normally the process is that an injunction can actually go up the chain faster than kind of the final decision, because an injunction is the ability to say that, uh, a particular law or something that someone is doing. If you sue your neighbor for playing loud music every night because they opened a concert venue, an injunction at the start of the case would uh, you know, provide immediate relief right. and allow the case to be argued. And then based on the, uh, the final decision, your neighbor would either have to shut the speakers off permanently or they could turn them back on. Pretty much what this court decision means is that the Supreme Court isn't speaking on the final merits of the law, but they're saying that it isn't harmful enough to be halted right now, which is actually a pretty big signal. And Chief Justice Roberts dissented against this opinion, which meant that, you know, even though he's Chief Justice, he's kind of losing control of the court. Right. Yeah. Who actually thought when Chief Justice Roberts was actually installed in the 2000s that he would actually be one of the moderates? Well, I don't even think it takes moderates to do this. This is simply the Constitution. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's so funny that people say that they're true constitutionalists when they're taking away civil rights. So they're clearly not constitutionalists. Mm-hmm. And Justice Roberts is just, I think, following the Constitution. And he knows that there is undue harm when women are. But he was put on the courts by GOP strategists. To do this, yeah. this is what we were fighting for in '04, mm-hmm. saying that Sometimes this is where the su- yeah, this is where the Supreme Court's is going to happen. The Supreme Court has drifted so far to the right. Yes, um, it hasn't drifted. Hmm. It is like lo- it's like leapt, yes. jumped, it lurched. Yes, it lurched. There's a good one. Yeah, which I think is actually really interesting. That normally, if you look at the Supreme Court decisions historically, when the the Supreme Court has drifted out of out of sync with not not the general population of the U.S. because it was never really meant to be that. But when it fell so far either to the right or the left, Congress would start passing laws that would rein in the power of the Supreme Court. And then they would normally self-correct after that pretty quickly, either through retirement or through changes. So there's interesting statistical tracking that, you know, pretty much when the Supreme Court gets rebuked through the passing of additional laws, that's when you start to see changes happening. Think about this particular issue. Again, I'm a different generation. Um, I I remember when Roe became, became a weapon of the right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it was it was because Catholics tend to be did tend to be Democrats. Um, they're much very social mind, social justice minded voters, social justice minded church going people. They were the original, you know, they were the original anti capital punishment people. Mm-hmm. And abortion was supported by the evangelicals. Um, they they thought Roe was the right thing to do. Right. And it was Carl Rove said, um, you need to make abortion an issue and get the Catholic vote. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you're going to win. And he did. And I'm a Catholic, so I understand this conversation. And I've always just wanted to say to people, 
can we just agree that we wish there were fewer abortions? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. We don't have a quota. I don't know anybody that says, wow, I wish we could have more abortions. Yeah. But it, uh, the reality is that if you outlaw, if you make it, if you legislate abortion away, you're going to kill mothers as well as those fetuses mm-hmm. or babies in the minds of the pro-life movement. You're not going to save any lives. You're going to lose more. And I just think that that's contrary to what they claim their goal is. Right. Um, and especially, I remember when my daughter was pregnant with her first, I told her husband, I said, if it comes down to a choice between your baby and mine, mine's winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mother said the exact same thing to me. It is that, you know, that that's going to be taken away. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it's like, I think that there's an interesting thought experiment. Um, imagine that you are a technician in a burning fertility clinic. You have just enough time to save one thing. Now, you come into a room. And there is a five-year-old child who is coughing in the smoke and gagging and crying and shouting for their mom. And in the other corner of the room is a freeze chest full of a thousand fertilized embryos. They haven't been implanted, but they're fertilized. They have been conceived. They are potential life. You can only grab one because you burned your hand in the fire. You can either save yourself and you can save one additional thing. What do you save? The, the- kid. The living kid, yeah. or the thousand frozen embryos. I mean, just everything about this issue—it's—it's it's yeah. just a hard issue to, to discuss or to argue. But the reality is that this is not how to have fewer abortions. Right. Abortions have since they became legal, they peaked at their highest in Ronald Reagan's second term, and they've always—they've been on a steady decline since then. That decline has been sharpest under most progressive presidencies with better health care, better sex education, better outreach, better community support. And banning abortion hurts minority communities and and demographic economically suffering communities more than any other. There's one abortion clinic in the entire state of Mississippi. So if a girl if this Mississippi law is being considered as well, and if the Mississippi law passes, there's no abortion for any reason whatsoever after six weeks. So let's say a girl's working at McDonald's making Seven ninety-five an hour, and she's in the northernmost part of the state. She's got to get the time off, find transportation, get to the one clinic in Jackson, mm-hmm. stand in line with all the other girls that if she can get the appointment, get the abortion, get taken back to, and all within. I mean, most people don't even know they're pregnant in six weeks. No, so it's just it. It this will hurt. It's not even a matter of my right to my uterus. It's not a matter of it. It's just a matter of the fact that it will hurt. Women. It will hurt miscarrying women as well. Women naturally miscarry, and sometimes it can turn into sepsis. And if you can't do an abortion, are they also? Does this Texas law also look at to the abortion the day after pill, or is that just the Texas law? I think that's just the Texas law. Okay, we don't have to discuss that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, that Sabatini wants Florida to be Texas. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean we still have the lovely. Um, heartbeat bill so you have to f- be forced into a lovely ultrasound and um but the f- the other bad thing is when they were hearing the the cases in for Mississippi they signaled that they pretty much want to keep it that way yeah, yeah. they signaled that they're going to let that stand but as a complete counter to the Texas argument Gavin Newsom said, well, if you're going to allow that to stand, well, I'm going after gun rights. Yes. So, which is 
kind of what I was hinting at earlier. Yeah, you made me think about that. Where this is essentially the, the California governor signaling to the Supreme Court, I will make you irrelevant in my state if you don't do something about Texas. It'd be a fun fight. You know, one more cynical point about abortion laws. And it's just so cynical. And it's the thing I hate about politics. I don't see Roe being overturned because if Roe's overturned, all of those single issue voters mm-hmm. will immediately become Democrats again because sure. they're social justice minded people. They understand that we need to take care of our neighbor. We need to be feeding the, the hungry. We need to be clothing the, the homeless. We need to be providing shelter for the homeless. We need to be visiting poor people in prison. And when they no longer can vote, they'll tell me all of that. And they'll say, but I'm a single issue voter. You take that issue off the table, then they're going to never win another election. And, and they're never going to go vote again. They, well, they will. They'll vote for people that do the things that I do. Right. But the, the Republicans don't really want, they want to talk about Roe. They want to keep us mad at each other. The Republican legislators don't, I'm not saying the voters, I think some of them do. Republican legislators do not want to overturn Roe because they won't win elections again. Right. They just want us to be mad at each other. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because without that, yes, they lose the single issue voters who chances are that if you are pro keeping babies alive through delivery, you might be pro keeping them alive after delivery, right. which takes health care and education and all sorts of social support nets. That, and gun laws. Yeah. And without that voting block. But the reverse switches. All the Democrats who got lazy and don't vote because they felt that they won in the 70s, they're going to come out of the woodwork. And we're going to have single-issue voters rise up on the other side. Yeah. The thing to remember about this issue locally, we always get back to this, is this is not happening in Congress. This is happening in our Supreme Court because of a presidential election. But this once that happens, it's still on states, right? Right. This is the importance of knowing your state legislator. And here in Brevard County, that's State House 50 with Renee Placencia, that's State House 51 with Tyler Royce, that's State House 52 with Thad Altman, and that's State House 53 with Randy Fine. Those, when people say, I don't like politics, and they don't pay attention to those office holders, they end up with laws like the one in Texas. Yeah, it's sad because. You know, DeSantis signaled early on that he, I I think he set up a trial balloon where he was interested in uh, replicating the Texas law here in Florida. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the trial balloon didn't, didn't go over the way he had hoped because he is moved on to other things, though. Yeah, we can hope. He will, however, bring us back up when he's running for governor. He wrote the law against being woke. Mm -hmm. Yep. We'll go into the next topic, which... January 6th. It was surreal to watch it play out. I I remember sitting on the couch in the other room just crying, watching it. I remember I was watching... You know, who watches that? Like, who watches the certification of the election results, right? But I was watching it because I thought, well, this is kind of cool this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I watched our congressman, mm-hmm. one of the first to to vote not to certify the election results. And we're watching this and I pulled up my phone. I must've been on Facebook because it wasn't on the news yet. And I'm watching, I, and I went to my husband and I said, this is happening right now on the other side of that building. Yeah. 
I was watching a live stream. So the people that I that I hang out with online, they were plugged into the live streams happening in the protest that were coming from there was a protest outside the Capitol building that existed before. Mm-hmm. Yes. We were watching coverage because it was getting interesting because the crowd from the rally was approaching the protest and was pushing through and so the cops that were there to pretty much make sure that the lone guy with a sign didn't, you know, trip and fall. And then I was watching it, and then all of a sudden they started physically fighting over the barriers and and pushing stuff down. And it's like, this is bad. This is, you know, that's that's what I started sharing with people. And I, I you know, people like they they said I have to I have to mute this chat right now because it's giving me anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's giving me a panic attack. And it's like they they knew we all knew that this was the start or. This was the end of the the U.S.'s longstanding tradition of the peaceful transition of of power. We no longer have an uninterrupted record of the peaceful transition of power from president to president. Right, it's broken. People aren't saying that. It that's is broken. That it's is a, total a big change thing. of who we are, and that's what people all over the world look and say. You know, America, that's, mm. you get to do this right, and we no longer can say we do it right. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, and and, because, and thanks to our congressman. Yay. Yeah. And uh, so the January 6th investigation got got a hold of phone records and text messages from a whole bunch of Republican Congress critters and Fox News hosts. Um, Sean Hannity and Fox News Barbie had text messages where they were sending directly to Trump. Right. Saying mm-hmm. you need to tell your people to stop this. This is looking really bad for us. Yeah, this is looking really bad. And then later they had to spin it. Like they after after sending this, they were like, "Yeah, it's Antifa." It's like, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's Antifa. They and, were the ones who dressed up as Trump or Trump supporters. And this wasn't a riot. This was a peaceful protest and Antifa. And so, while the same people are saying that, what you're saying is that they were also text, uh, contacting. Uh, the the chief of staff saying stop. Yeah, the optimistic takes that I've read online yesterday and today is that Fox News has lost all credibility. <laughs> Didn't they do that in 1999? Uh, yeah, no, Fox News never had any credibility, but that's not why people watch them. Right. Unfortunately, they have credibility with their audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. The the fully vaccinated staff at Fox News yes can tell you not to get vaccinated. Yes, and they don't get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the other interesting ones that came out, they've redacted who the lawmaker is. So we don't know which lawmaker it was. There were texts showing or just reciting ways that Pence could stop the vote. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they presented it as lawmaker. So those were congressmen telling Mark Meadows before this happened yeah. how to stop this. And then, of course, we can't forget the lovely PowerPoint. Which PowerPoint? There was a PowerPoint that was going around the White House two days beforehand in possession of Mark by Mark Meadows, showing how they thought that they could stop the vote and keep Trump in as president. You know, the fact that they really believed that and they thought they could do that legally is one thing, you know, that they really believed that they were within their legal rights to have the vice president mm-hmm. overturn the election. January 6th went way beyond. I mean, that was just plain delusional thinking but january 6th was an insurrection attempt yes Yes. and i keep hearing and keep saying 
Every successful coup has followed an unsuccessful coup attempt. It's a practice. And that's the problem is that right now, unless the people in charge face consequences, meaningful consequences, it's going to happen again. It this, is going to happen again. And the participants, what's the longest sentence they've got? Two years. It's for, it's for trespassing, yeah. right? Like this is literally freaking treason, y'all. Like this, The is, guy that threatened Pelosi got two years. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I, I mean, yeah. And, and the thing is, uh, normally... These type of things, there's a cool down period of like three or four years. I am expecting something to happen end of next year. It depends on what, how the, how Congress yes. comes out of the election. Yes. If, if Congress swears in more Republicans than Democrats, well, it will be a peaceful coup. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, honestly, Sorry, I don't know why any of this surprises anybody because I knew, I felt like there was a a seismic shift in our democracy when American National Guardsmen were told to fire on American citizens protesting in the street in front of our White House. Mm-hmm. You know that that was that was heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me to watch. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, I had somebody I grew up with said, but they were throwing bricks. And I sent him a video from the camera watching the whole thing. And I said, show me one brick. Mm-hmm. Like, right. this is video of what's actually happening. There's not a brick on the street. Yeah. If anybody's throwing anything, there'd at least be one left, right? Yeah. Well, that's- they said, well, there was no gas. So what is that smoke in that video? Right. Like, you just, you you can't deny what you see with your eyes. And that American National Guardsmen were ordered, I mean, rubber bullets, but still they were ordered to fire those, on American citizens. Those rubber bullets have steel cores. Hmm. Regardless, I just think that. And then and this was well before. This was the slow degradation down to what we saw because, you know, they, every single Fox News thing was all about rioters and Antifa when everything that we knew, you know, these were maybe three people in a whole crowd of thousands and and I have to answer for them. Yes. Yet there is on the TV right now, the people in MAGA hats and Trump flags and lovely congressmen saying, Oh, we don't know that they were for Trump. Well, and, and I'll, why can't they answer I, for those people? I know that there were people attending the rally in support of what they viewed as their president that we're not even aware of what was happening down the mall. Mm-hmm. We knew what was happening more than they did. I believe that because they couldn't see, you know, if, you're see, if something's happening three blocks away, which is basically the length of the mall, you sitting there at eye level may not know something's happening down there, but what we're seeing on television. And I believe that there were people there that still to this day don't believe that that's what happened. Oh, yeah. but, but there is no doubt that the chief of staff was participating and fully aware and didn't call mm-hmm. for anything to stand down. And that, um, and this was, um, and held the National Guard up to, yeah, aid. There aid was, police. there was no way that I had more information than the chief of staff. <laughs> and I could clearly see at least three separate feeds, three separate live feeds of people tearing down police barricades. I mean, they had shirts the made. Yeah. <laughs> this was not a random thing. They had shirts made. Yeah. Like, I know when I plan to wear something with my girlfriend, it takes months of coordination. Yeah. Yeah. And then the irony of beating cops with American flags and there was, back there was the a, blue flags. There was a cop who was beat with a thin blue line flag. Yeah. But the the main reason that those flags are there is because people were hanging flags off of baseball bats. 
It was planned. It was coordinated. I am so sorry. I don't know why my phone is beeping at me. Oh, because I told it to. Uh, is it? Cause no, it's no, fine. it's because I hit my, my hit my find my phone okay. <laughs> by accident. It was in my lap. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I have a hard time believing that um they didn't know what was going on. They clearly knew what was going on, and. Unless there's change and unless there's consequences that come out of the next few the next few weeks, really, you know, we aren't in, you know, make up and play nice time politically in the Senate right now. This is save the world time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we've already seen an example of failure with Germany. This was the beer hall pushed. Yes. Yes. This is what it was. And then how many years later and we have the fall of the Reichstag. Mm hmm. Because, you know, it's like, if you don't punish the, well, and even with the beer hall push where people did end up in jail and, and did end up punished, not enough meaningful change was put in place to prevent the takeover of the German government. Yep. Yeah. We got a lot of work to do, y'all. We do. We do. Um, so, you know, when, when my kids ask me, hey, where were you during the downfall of America? At least I can say I made a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you there's you know everyone's like in my grandmother's generation you all knew what happened during world war ii and i thought our generation was done because we watched september 11th happen before our eyes then this happened and there was no camaraderie like there was after september 11th and I, so september 11th it definitely was a unique come together moment mm -hmm. um, and george bush for all of his failings in my opinion did a really good job of rallying the country. Um, he refused to, to mire in, in political mud. And and I, I think that um, Donald Trump doesn't know how to, he just doesn't know how. Mm -hmm. His It's not in his wheelhouse. He doesn't know how to govern. He only knows, I don't know, he knows how to win or lose. Um, and so, but I, if you look at World War II though, from the German perspective, the citizens didn't know that they, they, didn't know that what they were doing was going to be remembered in history as the most heinous act in, in ever American in world history. In my um, opinion, they didn't know Nazis. that this was going to happen. Hmm? They're still Nazis, absolutely. But they didn't. It, it happened so slowly mm -hmm. um, yes. that, and they just become. It's just defending their country um, and not understand. And, and so I, I just keep getting back to this that you know my Republican next door neighbor, or if there is one, is a great human being. Um, they're just they're just being sheltered, mulled um, into they see into complacency and mm -hmm. acceptance, and thinking that it's the right thing to do. And they see in very and black do and white. Just keep doing and yeah, which is which is why I mean the Germans had no idea that what they were going to that what they were enabling was going to go down as you know the the generation defining act. Uh, you know, for the world, you know, in terms of cruelty. But we have history, which is, you know, which is why, you know, I'm still saying we aren't shutting down the camps fast enough. We have camps at the border, you know, just because we're not gassing people in the camps yeah. at the border doesn't mean it's a good thing that we have camps. Right, right. <laughs> There's well, moving on. Yeah. Because we can talk about January 6th. I think we will be talking about January 6th for a long time. Yes. Um... Yeah, I feel like that January 6th is uh, going to be the start of chapter two of the the history books that we're in the middle of. Unless the history books get rewritten. 
Um, thank you, Ron DeSantis. But I had a conversation with the, the chair of the state party, Manny Diaz from Miami. Um, and he's a fascinating guy. He was actually a nonpartisan for a long time because you know, he didn't really like having guns pointed at his head from either president. He was the attorney for Elia Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even forgotten that. But anyway, we were talking. You know, there's a lot of issues on state party politics in every state, but especially Florida. You've got infighting between the moderates and the progressives. You've got fundraising issues. You've got the fact that he inherited a mess fundraising and, and blah, 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 blah. And I'd not met him before. So I said, Manny, what keeps you up at night? And I thought he was going to say one of those things. And he just looked at me and he said, January 6th. January 6th keeps me up at night. And knowing that people like that are steering the partisan end of what we do makes me feel better. And going segueing straight into the next topic is voting rights. Yes. How we actually stop another January 6th. Right. How we stop another January 6th, but more importantly, how we just do the right thing. The John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. I had to look that up because it's, you know, we we say the Voting Rights Act. Well, that's gone. Mm. That was the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Yes. And the the history of the the Voting Rights Act was that the Southern states who were passing Jim Crow poll taxes and other terribly restrictive voting laws. Again, I'm not this old. I don't remember this, but I know this was a case that in Mississippi, they closed public schools rather than integrate them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that was not that long ago. And so that you can imagine how difficult it was to vote if you were a minority in those Southern states. So the, the original Voting Rights Act required those states to submit any changes in their election laws for Justice Department approval before they could pass. And that was gutted by the Supreme Court in 2013, I yes. think. Um, and so now we've got the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And I, you know, my my daughter lives in what was John Lewis's congressional district. It's just my little happy place when I go to Atlanta. I just sit in the middle of Candler Park going, I just want to live here. <laughs> Please take me home. When we visited Atlanta, just feeling his presence yeah. there was really kind of and, amazing. Know, he was an antagonistic jerk. Yeah. But man, I mean, because he was just determined, you know, to get, to allow Americans to vote, like the most basic thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And my favorite quote of his was actually in the Democratic office window for a long time. And it says, the vote is the most powerful nonviolent tool we have. Yes. Um, you must use it. Yes. And so we use that to encourage voting. And, and if you're listening to this and you're not a registered voter, please get registered to vote. Vote against my party. I don't care. Just vote. It's the, it's the most American thing we can do. I can put up with somebody being rude to me when I call their house. And I can put up to somebody, with somebody being rude to me if I knock on their door. I can put up with any of that to defend the right of Americans to vote. I believe that our three-strand rope that holds this democracy together, a three-strand rope is not easily broken, are um, public schools, free press, and free and fair elections. And those are all three under attack. Um, I got involved in, in politics four years ago because I really felt that our right to vote was on the line, and we're seeing that now more than ever. The The So what the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act will do is it requires those Southern states, again, to submit any changes to their election laws for judicial review. Um, And for example, in in 
Georgia, where the state attorney was running for the governor's seat, the state attorney who oversees election law, who oversees, I mean, secretary of state, oversees elections. Secretary of state was running for the governor, oversees elections, and was allowed to do that. Yes. And wrote himself an office. And, uh, and passed some of the most restrictive laws. We're limiting access to polling places in our poorest areas of town where people work two or three jobs, um, limiting, limiting those polling locations, limiting early voting, the Sunday voting, which has been predominantly done, attended by black voters. Uh, um, souls to the polls is, yeah, has been under attack. Everything. Well, it's now gone. There's yes. no early voting on Sundays in Georgia, and they're talking about it here as well. Um, yeah, they're going against, in Florida, they're going against the one thing that we've always had because we have a lot of seniors. Absentee ballot Which without having to. really just dumb because it's against yeah. their own voters. And I I don't even care whether it's my voters that win or their voters I just voters want people to win. vote. Mm-hmm. In America, when we vote, we all win. Right. And costing anybody's opportunity to participate in the democracy. Voting has consequences. And who you vote for. On a, on a local level, it's going to affect your life more than you could ever know. Mm-hmm. But on, also, John Lewis Voting Rights Act goes farther. And it also hits at gerrymandering, partisan gerrymandering, which is a huge problem. Um, Represent Us said that there is 49 out of 50 states that they are, or no, that was the voting rights, sorry. Um, I think I counted all of like five states that they said had great um, non-gerrymandered yeah. districts. Nonpartisan, uh, uh, nonpartisan districting boards. And I fought for the redistricting board in Florida, but yet again. That was stripped out. It was stripped out by our legislature. And it couldn't have been. That's the point to the voting rights law. It couldn't have been under the voting rights law. Right. And it couldn't have been under the John Lewis advancement, voting rights advancement, because that was actually a change that our state would have had to have approved before they could do that, the redistricting, um, as well as uh, mail voting, um, voter ID laws. Is there campaign finance on that? Never. <laughs> no, but I think that... Yeah, I wish that would that'd be great. Let's talk that out. Let's do one at a time. Yeah. Because I know the HR bill, the original one of two and a half years ago, had campaign finance reform in it. Right. So, yes, it'll be interesting because Schumer is signaling that he wants a vote for that by the end of the year. I want to read you a story about a voting right uh, ID law because that's very popular. And people keep saying it's very easy to get an ID. Everybody should be able to have to show an ID. Sorry. And that was part of the things that was under the old voting rights law. So it's very easy to get an ID unless you're poor. Right. This guy in Texas, this particular person, his name has to match his birth certificate, and it doesn't, because in 1964, when he was 14, his mother married and changed his last name. After Texas passed a new voter ID law, officials told Settles he had to show them his name change certificate from 1964 to qualify for a new ID card to vote. So with the help of several lawyers, Settles tried to find it, searching records in courthouses in the D.C. area where he grew up, but they could not find it. To obtain a new document changing his name to the one he has used for 51 years, he has to go to court, which will cost him more than $250, and he doesn't have it. All to be able to vote. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah, so I I mean, voter ID, so... The, the restrictive thing about voter ID laws is that 
the identification that it takes to get a low-paying job, your birth certificate, your your social security number, and some sort of a bill, because everyone has bills, everyone was born, everyone has a social security number, mostly. I mean, it's easy to get one if you have the other. Those aren't valid. Those aren't valid voter IDs. Uh, in order to have a valid voter ID, you have to have a driver's license. And in order to have a driver's license, you have to have access to a car. So these voter ID laws, they play on the assumption of, oh, everyone has a driver's license. I mean, well, you can get a state ID with a right. card if you can get to. Yeah, the if you can get there, you can provide the documentation yes. and wait in line and wait in line. And so like the thing is that you get the state ID. But again, what are you going to use it for? You are going to jump through those hurdles only to get something that uh, you can then vote with and maybe go drinking in a bar. But yeah, it's easier to buy a gun than it is to vote in some places. Right. Yes. Yeah, there was the story of some a Republican person that was doing a petition. And they're like, you know, put your name. And he's like, why don't you need to see my ID or anything? He's like, oh, because we're going to cross-reference it all. And he's like, exactly. That's why I don't need yeah. a, a state ID. And I'll tell you, even um, our superintendent of elections here, who is a Republican, yep. runs a clean office. Our elections are clean. I, have you guys read the memo that they, the Florida Department of Elections put out? I'll read you part. Uh, this is on her website. And it's the Florida Supervisor of Elections Agency. The great Americans experiment, our cherished democracy is under threat. Our nation is only as strong as the faith our citizens have that their voice, their vote has a say in our government. In this hour, public trust in our elections is being systematically undermined to the detriment of all Americans. As election professionals, we have sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States. Our Constitution is built upon the idea that we, the people, choose our government. We put that idea into practice through elections. It is the foundation and core unifying principle of our democracy. And it goes on to remind everybody that our election system is safe. Um, now, most of the people in this organization are Trump-supporting Republicans. Right. I think we should be blasting this document right. everywhere we can to remind everybody this and is reality. So what's next? I, I'm going to throw this out there having nothing to do with anything we really talked about. But I will tell everybody that there is... A Citizens Academy, and I attended a few years ago, and it's awesome. It teaches you all about Brevard County government, and it will really give you some optimism and help you realize where you can make a difference. It's where I learned about our weird county. <laughs> um, it's a seven-week course. It's free. Um, lunch is provided on the last day. Classes meet at various locations throughout the county. One time, we rode the bus. Starts February 3rd and ends March 17th. It's every Thursday, and it's during the day. It starts at 9 in the morning and ends no later than 3. Um, and you can register for that. I think that is with the UFIFAS, the extension Brevard County. So look up Citizens Academy. Mm -hmm. Yep. We will put a link to that in our in our liner notes. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. By we, we mean Jamie. Yes. And then we've got elections coming up. March, we've got our special election in Palm Bay. So you guys are going to keep talking about it till it's over. Uh -huh. yep, if yep. you're in Palm Bay, vote and I'll stop calling you. <laughs> yep. All there right. you go. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Everyone, happy holidays and a hopefully a better, better new year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas.
If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco. 